Amen. Well, please take your Bibles, turn with me at this time to the Gospel of Matthew. We're in Matthew chapter 25 and verses 14 through 30. Our message series is called Jesus in Jerusalem. We're in the last two weeks of that series now, this week and next week. And we're in a section of our series that focuses on the various aspects of Christ's return. And so far in this little mini-series, we've talked about the signs of Christ's return. We've talked about being ready for Christ's return. Last week, we talked about waiting for Christ's return. And today's message is all about preparing for Christ's return. So we're in Matthew chapter 25, verses 14 through 30. I'm just going to read verses 20 and 21 uh, as we get started this morning. Would you please stand with me for the reading of God's Word? Matthew 25, verses 20 and 21. The man who had received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, You entrusted me with five talents. See, I have gained five more. His master replied, Well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. This is the word of God. Let us pray. Well, dear Lord, as we look at these verses and the others in our passage this morning... Uh, Lord, we want to learn more what it means to prepare uh, for your return. And uh, Lord, how we can best glorify you uh, during this time of waiting. So Lord, help us, teach us uh, from the parable that we'll be looking at today. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, please be seated. So One of the things we've seen throughout this sort of mini-series on Christ's return is that there is a progression in Jesus' teachings about his return. Let me walk you through it. You've probably seen it already, but let me walk you through it. First, what did Jesus do? He taught about the signs of his return. The signs. Because once we know the signs, and we see that the signs are happening, then we learn that Jesus could come back at any time. And so once we know that Jesus could return at any time, we go to the second teaching of Jesus, which is be ready for Christ's return. If Jesus could return any time, you've got to be ready. But then we learn that even though Jesus could return at any time, he could return today, no one knows when Jesus will return. And so we not only need to be ready in case he returns today, we also need to be prepared to wait for Christ's return. We need to be prepared to follow Christ for a lifetime if necessary. So that's what we talked about last week. And I left you on a cliffhanger last week, right? We talked about waiting for Christ's return. And we said, well, what do you do while you wait for Christ's return? And I said, you've got to come back next week to find out. Well, I'm so glad you came back. So, uh, you know, we'll have to do cliffhangers each week now. It seems to be working, right? But, you know, what do you do while you're waiting? Do you just go up on a hill someplace and open a picnic basket and munch on some crackers while you wait for Christ's return? Is, Is that what you do while you're waiting? No, today's passage tells us that we should be preparing. That's how you wait for Jesus. You prepare for Christ's return by being faithful stewards of the resources and abilities that God has given you. And Jesus teaches us this very important truth using a parable. This is the parable of the talents. 
Now, a talent in that day was simply a unit of weight, okay? And it represented a considerable amount of money. A talent in those days didn't mean what it means today because we get our English word talent from this word. In fact, we get it from this parable uh, because Jesus used it as a symbol of the various resources and abilities God has given us to use for his glory. I like the way J.C. Ryle defines it. He says this, anything whereby we may glorify God is a talent. Our gifts, our influence, our money, our knowledge, our health, our strength, our time, our senses, our reason, our intellect, our memory, our affections, our privileges as members of Christ's church, our advantages as possessors of God's word. All of these are talents. So what do you do while you wait? You need to be working for Christ and his kingdom. You don't need to whistle while you work, but you do need to be working while you wait, okay? You got to be working while you wait. So we're going to look at the parable of the talents together now to see what Jesus teaches us about preparing for his return. There's an outline in your worship guide this morning. If you'd like to take that out to follow along or jot down some notes as we go. First of all, God has entrusted you with certain resources and abilities. God has entrusted each one of you, every person here today, God has entrusted you with certain resources and abilities. Look at verses 14 through 18 with me now. Here Jesus is speaking and he shares a parable now. He says, again, it will be like a man going on a journey who called his servants and entrusted his property to them. To one he gave five talents of money, to another two talents, and to another one talent, each according to his ability. Then he went on his journey. The man who had received the five talents went at once, put his money to work, gained five more. So also the one with the two talents gained two more. But the man who had received the one talent went off, dug a hole in the ground, and hid his master's money. So here in this first section of the parable, the master goes away. He entrusts the servants with his property. And we learn several things from Jesus' teaching in this section, this part of the parable. First of all, everything you have, okay, everything. Everything you have comes from God and belongs to God. Got that? Everything you have comes from God and belongs to God. When the master goes away, notice he doesn't entrust the servants with their property, but with his property. This is where we must begin. God is the owner. We are only stewards. We are servants of God and stewards of his property. So all of your money, all of your belongings, your work, your skills, your abilities, your time, everything you have, whatever it may be, comes from God 
and belongs to God. And until you acknowledge that God owns it all, you cannot move forward in life. Another thing we learn from this section of the parable is that God gives to each of us according to our abilities. Notice how Jesus says the owner gave different amounts of money to the three servants, right? First servant, he got five. Second servant only got two. Third servant got one talent. He did not give the same amount to each servant, but he gave to each of them according to their ability. It's the exact same way with us. God gives to each of us according to our abilities. Now, there's a reason, okay? There's a reason. Not all of us are rich or famous or in positions of power or authority. God knows what you can handle and what you cannot. Some of us are more limited in our abilities. Some of us can handle much more. The important thing to know is this. God is sovereign. He is sovereign over your life and the resources and the abilities that he has given to you. Charles Spurgeon describes the master in the parable this way. He says, he was the judge of the ability of each of his servants. And he made no mistake in his allotment of the talents to them. We may rest assured if we are the Lord's servants, that he has bestowed upon us as many talents as we can rightly use, and quite as many as we shall be able to account for when he returns. And so we need to be careful not to envy those who have more than us. We need to be careful not to be prideful over those who have less. Rather, we should be grateful. We should be grateful. We need to trust God's sovereignty and be grateful for whatever he has given us, and then we determine to use whatever God has given us for his glory. Amen? Amen. Which leads us to the question, what are you doing with what God has given you? What are you doing with what God has given you? In the parable, the man who received the five talents, he went right out. He put that money to work. He gained five more. The person with the two talents, he went right out. He gained two more. The one with the one talent, he goes up, digs a hole in the ground, hides his talent there. Just tucks it away. What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you putting it to work for God and his kingdom? Are you learning and growing? Are you developing the resources and abilities that God has given you? Remember, God owns it all. And you're just a steward of what God has given you. So we can sum up the first section of the parable like this. God has entrusted you with certain resources and abilities. Everything you have comes from God and belongs to God. God gives to each of us according to our abilities. What are you doing with what God has given to you? And this leads us to the second section of the parable now, where Jesus describes for us the good and faithful servant. The good and faithful servant. The good and faithful servant, he is the one who gains more for the master. 
gains more for the master. Look at verses 19 through 23 now. Here's where the master returns from his journey now to settle accounts. After a long time, the master of those servants returned, and he settled accounts with them. The man who'd received the five talents brought the other five. Master, he said, you entrusted me with five talents. See, I've gained five more. His master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. The man with the two talents also came. Master, he said, you entrusted me with two talents. See, I have gained two more. And his master replied, well done, good and faithful servant. You have been faithful with a few things. I will put you in charge of many things. Come and share your master's happiness. And so in these verses, the good and faithful servant, that's who we want to be, right? The good and faithful service is re- servant is represented by the first two servants, both of them, both of whom took what the master gave them and gained more for him. And this part of the parable teaches us a number of things. First of all, God expects you to be faithful with what he gives you. He expects you to be faithful. You are responsible. You are accountable for the resources and abilities God has given you in this life. You are responsible to use the resources and abilities God has given you for God's glory and for his kingdom. When Jesus returns, it will be time to settle accounts. And if you have misused what God gave you, or used it all for yourself, or didn't use it at all, you will have to answer to God for your actions. The first two servants were both faithful with what God had given them, and God commended them for it. That's the first thing we learn from this section. God expects you to be faithful with what he's given you. Secondly, this section teaches us this. The more God gives you, the greater your responsibility. The more God gives you, the greater your responsibility. Servant who was given five talents was expected. God expected him to gain more than the servant who was only given two talents. And the servant who was given two talents, God expected him to gain more than the servant who was given just the one talent. You know, we all seem to want more in life, right? We all want more, more. But you got to remember, the more you have, the greater your responsibility before God. And we don't always realize it, but sometimes it's a blessing to have less. God only holds you responsible for what he has given you. Notice that both the first servant and the second servant are commended equally before God. The master says the exact same words to each of them. The first servant said, hey, you gave me five, I got you five more. The second one says, I got you two, I got you two more. And he doesn't rebuke them and say, well, why didn't you get five? Well, God only gave them two. Although they were not given equal amounts, they were both faithful with what God had given them, and so they were equally rewarded. And really, what better reward can there be than to hear Jesus say to you or I, On that day, well done, good 
and faithful servant. And then finally, this section of the parable teaches us that when you are faithful with little, God is going to entrust you with more. Right? Jesus said to each of the first two servants, he says, you've been faithful with a few things, come. I will put you in charge of many things. Many things. Do you want God to entrust you with more in this life and the next? Then be faithful with what you've got. If you're not being faithful with the resources and the abilities that God has already given you, why would you expect God to give you more? Right? And so the second section of the parable teaches us that the good and faithful servant is the one who gains more for the master. God expects you to be faithful with what he gives you. The more he gives you, the greater your responsibility. When you're faithful with little, God will give you more. And now we come to the third and final section of the parable, which deals with the wicked and lazy servant. And none of us want to be that, right? The wicked and lazy servant is the one who does nothing for the master. The wicked and lazy servant is represented in this parable by the third servant who, instead of using what the master gave him, goes out, digs a hole, and just buries it in the ground. And this final section of the parable also teaches us several things. First of all, real important, don't think bad thoughts of God. Don't think bad thoughts of God. Look at verses 24 and 25. Then the man who had received the one talent came. Master, he said, I knew that you are a hard man, harvesting where you have not sown and gathering where you have not scattered seed. So I was afraid. And went out and hid your talent in the ground. See, here is what belongs to you. The third servant in the parable thought bad thoughts of the master. He calls him a hard man. He accuses him of harvesting where he is not sown and gathering where he is not scattered seed. And now we know this was not true of the master in the parable, right? And it's certainly not true of God. If this was true, the master in the parable, when the the person came with five and five, he said, well, I'm going to take all that for myself, and you go off and just be miserable. No, what did he do? He rewarded. He didn't take away from the first servants who gained for them. He rewarded them by giving them even more. The third servant thought bad thoughts of the master. You know, we sometimes do that too. We think bad thoughts of God. We think that if we give our lives to God and if we use everything God's given us, if we use that for his glory and his kingdom, that somehow we're just going to be miserable and we're going to be missing out on life. We think that we're going to enjoy life more if we live it for ourselves and our own pleasures. We think bad thoughts of God and as a result we miss out on all of those many blessings that God wants to just pour into your life. So that's the first thing we learned from this section. Don't think bad thoughts of God. Number two is this. Doing nothing for God is unacceptable. It's unacceptable. Look at verses 26 and 27. His master replied, You wicked, lazy servant. 
So you knew that I harvest where I have not sown and gather where I have not scattered seed? Well then, you should have put my money on deposit with the banker so that when I returned, I would have received it back with interest. And I like to put that word new sort of in quotation marks. So you knew that I was a hard man? Because I don't think the master is, and certainly God is not. You see, doing nothing for God is completely unacceptable. In the third servant, he tried to use his own bad thoughts of the master as an excuse for why he did nothing with the one talent that the master had entrusted to him. And so what does the master do? He takes the servant's own words and uses them against him. He's basically saying, even if what you're saying is true, and it's not, But even if it were true, that does not excuse your behavior. If you were afraid and you thought that I'm a harsh master, you could have at least put the money in the bank. You could have earned some interest. As it is, you did nothing, and that is unacceptable. Once again, Jesus means for this parable to come back to each of us. We turn it around. What have you done for God? What are you doing for God? What are you doing with what God has given you? Are you willing to take risks for God? That's a big part of it, isn't it? The third servant tried playing it safe. But by doing nothing, he ended up with nothing. Jesus is coming back. When he returns, it will be time to settle accounts. Please know that doing nothing for God, is unacceptable. In fact, by doing nothing, Jesus says, not only will you not receive a reward, but you will also lose what God initially gave you. You'll lose what God initially gave you. Look at the final verses now, verses 28 through 30. The master is speaking in the parable. Take the talent from him, from the wicked and lazy servant. Take the talent from him and give it to the one who has the ten talents. For everyone who has will be given more, and he will have an abundance. Whoever does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And throw that worthless servant outside into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. In this final part of the parable, it seems harsh to us at first, right? Maybe even a little unfair. It's like, I mean, come on. Why take the one talent? That's all he's got, the one talent away from the third servant and give it to the first. I mean, the first, he's already, first servant, he's already got ten. He doesn't need another one, right? Why give him the third servant's talent as well? Well, first of all, remember Jesus already told the first servant he was going to give him more. Now we find out where that more comes from. And then you need to remember that the third servant did nothing. Did nothing with what God had given him. That is unacceptable. Not only will you not receive a reward, you will actually lose what God initially gave you. We have a saying for this, don't we, right? You got to use it or lose it, right? Use it or lose it. God expects you to use the gifts he has given you for his glory. 
And sadly, this parable, the parable of the talents, it ends the exact same way as the parable of the two servants that we looked at earlier with the unfaithful servant being thrown out into the darkness where there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. How do you prepare for Christ's return? You prepare for Christ's return by being faithful stewards of the resources and abilities that God has given you. We are not to sit around waiting for Christ's return and doing nothing. God has given each of us certain resources, abilities, and he expects us to use them for his glory. He expects us to be productive for his kingdom during this time of waiting for Christ to return. The master will come and it's time to settle accounts. The good and faithful servant will be rewarded with even more. The wicked and lazy servant will lose everything he has. So be working while you wait. Be working while you wait. Everything you have comes from God. Use what God has given you for his glory. Let us seek to be good and faithful servants working productively for God and his kingdom while we wait for Christ's return. Let us pray. Dear Lord, we thank you for this parable. Uh, It's an unforgettable parable, Lord, as we we hear about these three servants. Uh, Your teaching is always so remarkable, Lord, as uh, using these simple stories, you unveil such important uh, and provocative truth. And so, Lord, I pray that each one of us would be challenged by your word this morning. Are we a good and faithful servant? Or are we a wicked and lazy servant? Some of us would probably say, well, I'm somewhere in between. But, Lord, you didn't seem to give us that option. (laughs) Who are we this morning, Lord? Thank you for being such a good and generous God. That you not only give to us. That you give us the ability to, to, learn, to earn and learn more. And then, Lord, you take what you've given us and you reward us by giving us even more. When we're just being faithful to what you've given us to begin with. Oh, Lord, we praise you for your goodness, for your generosity, for your grace. Help us not to be envious of others or prideful over others, but help us to be grateful and accountable for the things you have given to us. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen.